Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hannah Churton is fighting food waste. The worm monger, wrangler of worms, rider against household food waste and soon to be Dr. Food Waste. Hannah also created her very own community composting hub in the middle of COVID called the Lily Road Compost Hub, which has diverted almost six tonnes of food waste from landfill. In this episode, we talk about everything from the difference between composting to worm farms, but also how you can get involved with it even if you don't have a garden. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so excited to talk to somebody who is just as enthusiastic about worms as me. So first things first, Hannah, why is composting so important? First and foremost, it is one way that we as individuals can help reverse climate change. So for those of you who aren't aware, food waste in landfill actually contributes about 8 to 10% of greenhouse gases globally. So it's not insignificant. If you look at that in terms of the size of a country, it would be the third largest emitter after the United States and China. So food waste contributes a great deal to climate, but on the flip side, it is also one of the ways that is within our control as individuals. And that is actually quite rare. A lot of the time we can take very, very small actions, but it's actually corporations or government who actually need to make the big decisions to impact the reversal of climate change. Whereas food waste, we can make a significant impact in our own homes. And so for me, that's why it's so important. It is one of those things. I feel like it's almost like the gateway to living more sustainably. And I remember when I first started my journey to kind of completely like doing my lifestyle differently, one of the things I thought when I lived in a terrace house in the middle of like the CBD in Sydney was I won't be able to compost or have a worm farm because I don't have a backyard. And when I found out that it was actually possible for me to do just that, it was like this amazing connection with nature, connection with the waste that I was creating, and I felt so empowered to be able to actually take control of something and to make such a significant difference as well. Yeah, I think that is really right. And that's certainly my personal experience. So I set up a compost hub in my own home. And so that was effectively to deal with food waste. But the knock-on effect for me for other aspects of my life, as you've just said, was quite phenomenal. Like I started thinking about where my food comes from, who's growing my food, how many miles it has travelled. And that was a completely unintended consequence of what I've done, but it has actually become a really, really important aspect of it. And more broadly for educating 
the community that I've built. It's really fascinating that that aspect of it, that you start one thing and there's this beautiful domino effect. It is amazing. And I wanted to really ask you a couple more questions as well about the Lily Road Compost Hub because you make it sound so blasé and this little throwaway thing, but you've made such a significant impact by doing something that is relatively simple and straightforward. So can you explain how does it work, how did it come about, and what are you doing? Well, it's true. It really started out as totally a throwaway thing. I literally bunged up a sign in my carport threw out a couple of compost caddies for participants to pick up and gave them a place to drop those caddies off and that was as makeshift as it was. And it's effectively, it's remained that simple the whole time. I've really liked to keep it to kind of keep it simple, stupid principles because that's the easiest way for me and that's also the easiest way for participants. But it did really start off as this really simple way for me to It was actually a way for me to build community because I started it in the um, COVID lockdown, the first COVID lockdown, and I just moved to a new city. I had a new baby and I had no kind of network and no connections in that community and it was extremely isolating. And then I was cut off from my community. So it really was a community building exercise, although at the time I'm not sure I would have been able to articulate that. I just thought this is something that I can do in my community, but I was clearly really desperately reaching out for some kind of connection in a really isolated time of life for everyone. And it just kind of built from there. I really didn't think anyone would participate in it. I just really just didn't think that there was going to be a market for it or a demand. I was really wrong. I was really wrong there. And so what I thought wouldn't be much food waste ended up being quite a bit of food waste. And pretty much straight away, a lot of people on my street became regular contributors to the compost hub. And then by word of mouth, more people found out about it and started participating in the hub. So I guess that's where it becomes a little bit less makeshift because I'm just one person and so that I've only got so much capacity. And then for me over the two years has passed now and so it's just become, because it's so popular and there is much more demand than I anticipated, it's a question of capacity and whether or not I could scale it and how I could scale it. But beyond that, it has been a really, really simple exercise. I scrounged bathtubs off the street because I live in a very renovation-heavy part of the world and I built them into worm farms and that is as sophisticated as it gets. It's still the same today. It's amazing. So just in case our listeners aren't really sure exactly what happens, so pretty much people in your street and your suburb are collecting their own food waste at home and then they're dropping it off to the hub and then you're putting it in worm farms or compost bins or what have you. So it's really as simple as that. Yep, it is, yeah. So I've got a series of bathtubs which I've converted into worm farms and I have a few kind of of those big black Dalek compost bins which I use for overflow. I'm Mostly it's worm farming but here and there I'll create a big Dalek bin And yeah, that's as basic as it gets. And for participants, all they have to do is collect their food waste and drop it off. So 
easy and so simple. So did I read correctly that you have diverted five tonnes of food waste from landfill in the two years? Yeah, that's right. At about the two-year mark, I'd collected five tonnes. We're over, we're probably almost at two and a half years now and I, I think we're probably actually closer or quite close to six tonnes now but I haven't checked my stats lately so I'd have to get back to you on that. But, yeah, it's that has really amazed me. I know there's lots of food waste out there but it has amazed me just how much there is and it has also amazed me how much people are really willing to do the right thing. They just need an outlet to do it responsibly. Yes, it, it reminds me a little bit of the app called Share Waste, which is what I used when I was first getting into composting, which is an app that connects you with people in your local neighborhood that have a compost bin or a worm farm or a community garden and who are happy to accept food scraps because it is one of those things if you don't have the space, you don't have the time or you don't actually have the desire to have a compost bin or a worm farm but you still want to responsibly get rid of your food waste then it is so amazing and such a great thing to do so just rewinding a little bit there what is the biggest difference between composting and worm farms because I know some compost bins can have worms in it and then you've got worm farms you've got all of these different levels so for people who aren't entirely sure what are the main differences okay so composting Let's distinguish between hot and cold composting first because that makes the distinction between worm farming quite easy as well. So hot composting is building a compost pile that actually gets the heat up to a certain temperature which composts your scraps down, decomposes them over a relatively short space of time because of the temperature that that pile gets. Uh, and it's quite a quick process. If you actually do it diligently and you build it to the dimensions that are needed for proper hot composting, then you can compost everything down within a 16-day period. So it's a really, really quick and efficient way to do it. It has its cons in that you need to be really diligent in managing that pile, turning it, adding water, making sure it's got enough air, moisture, carbon and nitrogen to feed that pile to really get it going and get the heat up to where it needs to be to compost down. Um, so it's slightly more scientific than either cold composting or worm farming. Cold composting is effectively the same except you don't add heat so it takes a lot longer to do. So you add your carbon and your nitrogen and you turn it and you ensure there's enough moisture, but um, your pile might be slightly smaller, in which case you can't get the temperatures up to the desired level for it to be a hot, a proper hot compost pile, which kills all the nasty kind of bacteria and leaves you with all the good, beautiful bacteria. But eventually, over time, it will still compost down and reduce or, well, process your food scraps in a, in a responsible way. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Worm farming is effectively the same as cold composting, 
you still need your carbon and your nitrogen, but you add worms and so it assists the process. It's kind of a little energizer bunny to your cold compost and it assists that process. It speeds it up a little bit, but also what you're getting is the product is processed through the worm's digestive system and so the end product is poo. And that poo is a beautiful fertilizer for your garden. It is the best fertilizer for your garden. So just in case people haven't heard of carbon and nitrogen and aren't really a science major or don't remember much about biology or chemistry at school, what are those? Yeah, <laughs> I, thank you for kind of taking me that one step back because it's one thing that I do tend to to overlook. Carbon is browns. It's referred to as carbon or browns and those browns typically look brown so it's dried leaves or dried grass clippings or cardboard or paper which is carbon heavy in its content nitrogen is food scraps or uh, also referred to as greens green matter and so it's high in nitrogen and it hasn't dried off. So the carbon content increases once it once things dry out and dry off and it's nitrogen heavy. So food scraps are really high in nitrogen and you need nitrogen to offset the carbon and carbon to offset the nitrogen to create a composting environment. I like to explain it a little bit like making a cake. If you don't have the right balance of the two of them, it won't rise, it'll flop, it'll be mushy or it'll be too dry. So it is about getting that all-important balance, which I think is probably one of the hardest things when it comes to getting the right balance in your worm farm and compost bins. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's also one of the reasons why I have tended to gloss over it, or in this case, just not really going to the details, because I feel like it's actually one of the components of composting that instills fear in people. Uh, and it's unnecessary. It's introducing a scientific kind of balance thing. It confounds people straight away and immediately that's a red flag for them and they're not then inclined to go into it because they're worried about making a mistake as we all are we all fear failure and so yeah that is one of the reasons why I gloss over it because especially with worm farming and cold composting although you need a nitrogen and a carbon component it doesn't need to be so scientific that it's overwhelming and I think that's a really key takeaway when it comes to composting, that you can do it in a way where you're eliminating that real science factor that tends to overwhelm people. Great. Speaking of kind of some of the other mistakes that people make when it's with worm farms, what are some of the most common things that you kind of see people going and you just want to close your eyes and look away? <laughs> Definitely overfeeding when it comes to worm farms, definitely overfeeding. It's the number one mistake that people make, absolutely for sure. And, you know, I still make that mistake here and there. I've definitely come to embrace failure and to just learn from my mistakes and push the envelope and see how far I can go without failing and all of that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I'm quite a fan of it these days, but I understand when you're first starting out, you don't want to fail and that puts you off and that also overfeeding your worm farm or your compost pile can create quite an icky mess. 
So overfeeding is, yeah, for me, the biggest thing that I see, especially among beginners, because people are trying to figure out how much the worms will eat. And they have no idea. Of course, it's all part of the learning curve. And yeah, then it's just a matter of kind of, you know, rectifying it when you recognize that that's what you've done. And one of the ways you can do that is to offset it with carbon. If you've ever fed your worm farm too many scraps, add some dry leaves or some shredded paper or some scrunched newspaper, and that creates the balance that you're looking for. So how can you tell if you've overfed them? Yeah, great question. Basically, there are two ways. It either starts to smell And that means the food is rotting before the worms can get to it. So as soon as your worm farm kind of gets on the nose and it's not smelling like that earthy soil smell, then um, you know that you've probably started to overfeed because the food's rotting before the worms can process it. And the other one is that you can actually see the food kind of going mouldy or rotting when you open up your farm. Yeah, so they're the big, the two big red flags. Yeah, smell is the best way to, to figure it out. And, you know, it will let you know. Your worm farm will let you know because it will smell pretty quickly if your worms aren't getting to the waste quickly enough. That's, I think, the same thing as well with composting. If something's smelling a bit funky, then that you know that something's not right. Your worm farm or your compost bin is actually trying to tell you kind of, hang on, something's not quite right here what's going on and let's figure this out as well. Is it possible to underfeed your worm farm or kind of what happens if you're, I don't know, going away for a couple of weeks? Will your worms be okay without you? Yes, absolutely they will. They are the best pets because they are so low maintenance in that respect. So kind of food scraps or organic waste will kind of exist in a worm farm for a really long time so even if it looks like your worms have eaten all the scraps there'll still be remnants that they can exist off probably up to two or three months so it's quite a long period of time that they will be self-sufficient for and yeah that way you don't really have to think about them when you go away on holidays you just leave them to their own devices and um, go off on your merry way. That is great and good news for me because I've definitely, because I've got a compost bin and a worm farm, I kind of alternate between the two so I don't overfeed my worms. But then sometimes I look at them and I go, oh my gosh, I just haven't really thought about you guys for a couple of weeks and they're still fine. They're still thriving. They might've just eaten through the worm blanket that I had down, but they're still eating something. So that's okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they're really self-sufficient. And they'll organic matter will kind of just hang around in there for a, for a lot longer than you would expect. Amazing. And so then for our listeners who are inspired by your story and wanting to get into worm farming, where should they start? Well, my mantra is just to get your hands dirty and start to learn. Just go out there, buy a handful of worms and a little urban worm farm. In our council kind of area, you can actually get a rebate. And I know that exists in lots of uh, councils across Australia now. You can get a rebate for buying a composting unit or a worm farm. And so it kind of, it doesn't have to cost you the earth. 
and, you know, buy a handful of worms and just get started and start to dabble here and there. If there's a little bit of fear around it, then start slowly, slowly until you build up your confidence and feel like you can push the envelope a little bit. And what's on your side is that these worms are really resilient. They're not going to die off if you don't feed them after a week. And that way you can kind of just go take baby steps to figure it out and to build up your own confidence. But get your hands dirty because it's only with practice and getting to know your worms and getting the feel of your worm farm or your compost pile that you get to understand the process and how it works. And you have to make mistakes on the way. You, you have to. That's how we learn anything. And so I just like to remind people that in the composting process, it's exactly the same. You're going to make mistakes and that's fine. You'll only come away from that a much, much better composter. Exactly. I feel like it's kind of like treat it like a science experiment, have a bit of a play around, learn from them, see what they're eating, see what they're not eating, see how quickly they're eating. If it's hot, maybe they won't eat as fast. Maybe they'll eat faster. Just look at them, listen to them, and they'll pretty much tell you exactly what they do and don't need. And I think that rebate that you were just talking about is compost revolution. If anybody wants to head to their website, your local council will have hopefully negotiated a great rebate with them for you. So you can check that out. Hannah, I wanted to finish this episode with one final question. And that is, what is one actionable thing that our audience can do tomorrow to save our planet? Well, (laughs) of course, I'm going to say, don't send your food scraps to landfill. Uh, And there are a number of ways you can do that. You don't have to have your own worm farm, as you've mentioned earlier in this discussion. You don't have to have your own compost pile. You don't have to be running a commercial operation and collecting people's food scraps off the street. But there is a way that you don't have to send your food scraps to landfill. And that act alone is really making a significant contribution to the reversal of climate change. So suss out who your share waste hosts are or find your local community garden. They often have a great community compost hub running there as well and you'd be surprised at how many of them there are around or start your own little urban worm farm. You can do it in your bathroom or on your deck or whatever small dark space you have. Go forth, learn children, learn and get some worms. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Hannah. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Total pleasure. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 